Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, March 27th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there will be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Zav, and it means command. Leviticus 6, 14-30 This is the offering that Aaron and his son shall offer to Hashem on the occasion of his anointment, a tenth of an ephah of choice flour as a regular meal offering, half of it in the morning and half of it in the evening shall be prepared with oil on a griddle. You shall bring it well soaked, and offer it as a meal offering of baked slices of pleasing odor to Hashem. And so shall the Kohen, anointed from among his sons to succeed him, prepare it. It is Hashem's, a law for all time, to be turned entirely into smoke. So, too, every meal offering of a Kohen shall be a whole offering. It shall not be eaten. Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons thus. This is the ritual of the sin offering. The sin offering shall be slaughtered before Hashem at the spot where the burnt offering is slaughtered. It is most holy. The Kohen who offers it as a sin offering shall eat of it. It shall be eaten in the sacred precinct, in the enclosure of the tent of meeting. Anything that touches its flesh shall become holy, and if any of its blood is spattered upon a garment, you shall wash the bespattered part in the sacred precinct. An earthen vessel in which it was boiled shall be broken. If it was boiled in a copper vessel, the vessel shall be scoured and rinsed with water. 
Only the males in the priestly line may eat of it. It is most holy. But no sin offering may be eaten from which any blood is brought into the tent of meeting for any expiation in the sanctuary. Any such shall be consumed in fire. This is the ritual of the guilt offering. It is most holy. The guilt offering shall be slaughtered at the spot where the burnt offering is slaughtered, and the blood shall be dashed on all sides of the mitzbayah, the altar. All its fat shall be offered, the broad tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them at the loins, and the protuberance on the liver, which shall be removed with the kidneys. The Kohen shall turn them into smoke on the altar, mitzbayah, as an offering by fire to Hashem. It is a guilt offering. Only the males in the priestly line may eat of it. It shall be eaten in the sacred precinct. It is most holy. The guilt offering is like the sin offering. The same rule applies to both. It shall belong to the Kohen who make expiation thereby. Luke seven, thirty-six to eight three. And one of the Pharisees desired him, Yeshua, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, who was a sinner, when she knew that Yeshua sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Yeshua answering said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto you. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Husa, Herod's steward. 
and Susanna, and many others, which ministered to him of their substance. Psalm 69, 1-18 Save me, O God, for the waters are come to my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the heads, hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. O God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not them that wait on you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek you be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Because for your sake I have borne reproach, shame has covered my face. I am become a stranger to my brethren and an alien to my mother's children. For the zeal of your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproached you are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto you, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me, and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies, and hide not your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul, and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. Proverbs 12, 1 Whoso loves instruction loves knowledge, but he that hates reproof is brutish. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Leviticus, and I'd like to share with you the introduction to this book from the Israel Bible. You can follow along if you like. The website is theisraelbible.com, and you just click on the book of Leviticus. So the introduction to this book, this is what is shared in the introduction. Following the inspirational narrative of Genesis and the exciting stories of Exodus, it may appear at first glance that Leviticus fails to live up to the standard set by its two dramatic predecessors. The name Leviticus comes from Levi, the father of the priestly tribe, and much of its 27 chapters are devoted to describing the priestly rituals in great detail. Since most of these practices are not observed today, some modern readers may have difficulty in finding practical significance in Leviticus and thus miss out on its eternal values. To be sure, it is possible to get lost in all the nuances of the various rituals and offerings described in Sefer Vayikra, Leviticus, but it is imperative that the reader not lose sight of the big picture. As we study the intricate details of the offerings, we discover that their overarching purpose is to bring the people closer to Hashem 
through his earthly dwelling place, as it says, Make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Exodus 25, 8. Sefer Vayikra's intricate details are necessary for us to bring God's presence into our lives in a very physical way, by serving Him in a very specific manner. The Mishkan, that is, the wilderness tabernacle, was a temporary edifice that paved the way for the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, in Jerusalem, which served as the permanent structure for worshiping the God of Israel. Today, even though we don't have the Mishkan to uplift us or the temple to pray in, Jerusalem remains mankind's special gateway between heaven and earth. Nowadays, our connection to Eretz Israel is still able to uplift our service to Hashem. May our study of the Israel Bible infuse us with sanctity, as if we were bringing the offerings described in Sefer Vayikra, that is Leviticus, and prepare us for the day when the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, is rebuilt in Jerusalem, and we are able to fully feel God's presence in this world. Now, there's another commentary I'd like to share, and it it is in response to the question, will the sacrifices be reinstated in the third temple? Now, before I share this commentary from the Israel Bible, I just want to preface it with this. Yes, there is going to be a third temple. How do we know? Because it's described in great detail in Ezekiel chapter 40, 41, 42, 43. So the first temple was destroyed in 586 BC on the 9th of Av by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. The second temple built by Herod was destroyed on the 9th of Av in 70 AD by the Roman general Titus and his army. And there will be a third temple in Jerusalem as described in Ezekiel 40-43-44. to So the question in this commentary is, will the sacrifices be reinstated in the third temple? So I'd like to share this commentary from the Israel Bible. uh, It begins with Leviticus chapter 7, verse 37, with this verse. Such are the rituals of the burnt offering, the meal offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the offering of ordination, and the sacrifice of well-being. The Torah states explicitly that the mitzvot, the commandments, are eternal, to be performed by all generations of Jews after the revelation at Mount Sinai. This was clearly stated in several places. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 28, it is written, Concealed acts concern Hashem our God, but with overt acts it is for us and our children ever to apply all the provisions of this teaching. Also in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it is written, Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God is always fulfilled. And finally, in Isaiah 11, verses 7 to 9, His handiwork is truth and justice. All His precepts are enduring, well-founded for all eternity, wrought of truth and equity. He sent redemption to his people. He ordained his covenant for all time. His name is holy and awesome. This was expressed powerfully by Maimonides, or Rambam, who in the ninth of his 13 principles of faith states that since the Torah was divinely given, it is timeless and not subject to revision by human hands. 
and I'm going to quote from Rambam. It is clear and explicit in the Torah that it is God's commandment remaining forever without change, addition, or diminishment. As Deuteronomy 13.1 states, All these matters which I command to you, you shall be careful to perform. You may not add to it or diminish from it. And Deuteronomy 29.28 states, What is revealed is for us and our children forever to carry out all the words of this Torah. This teaches that we are commanded to fulfill all the Torah's directives forever. It is also said it is an everlasting statute for all your generations. And Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 12 states, It is not in the heavens. This teaches that a prophet can no longer add a new precept to the Torah. When it comes to the temple sacrifices, however, there is a debate about whether or not they will be reinstated in the third temple. The Midrash, Leviticus Rabbah 9 verse 7, states all sacrifices will be abolished except for the offering of thanksgiving. The Yalkut Shimonai and Midrash Mishli, Proverbs 9.2, wrote, All festivals will be abolished except for Purim, which will never be abolished, and the Day of Atonement will be like Purim. Ezekiel, in his End of Days vision, chapters 43-46, to describes the third temple in detail, including animal sacrifices such as a bull sin offering and a goat sin offering. The prophet states explicitly that these sacrifices will continue to be brought throughout the post-Messiah era, as it is written in Ezekiel 43, verse 27. And when these days are over, then from the eighth day onward, the Kohanim shall offer your burnt offerings and your offerings of well-being on the altar, and I will extend my favor to you, declares Hashem. This was further emphasized by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 56, verse 7. I will bring them to my sacred mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices shall be welcome on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. So I would like to conclude now with an experience that I had just this very day, and that is I invited two of my co-workers... Uh, who are who've been here in Jerusalem for some time to go with me on a little field trip an outing and um, I took them to the Temple Institute and neither one of these co-workers had ever been there to see the Temple Institute and what's amazing to see at the Temple Institute is that all of the items that are going to go inside of the third temple are being gathered and prepared and made ready to go into the third temple. So when you first go in, you see the structure of the outer altar that would go in the outer courtyard of the uh, temple. And it's a ramp, and you go up to the top of the ramp, and that's where the daily Tamid lamb offering is made is at the top of this ramp and it can be disassembled very quickly and reassembled right up on the temple mount when the time is right and you also see a lot of paintings that depict different scenes of the temple in the next room you see the table of showbread that is seen in the most holy place 
and there are 12 loaves, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. You also see the altar of incense, where the incense is to be kept burning perpetually forever. And also you see the menorah, and the menorah was in the holy place, and this is there in the Temple Institute. And then finally, behind a curtain is a replica, not the actual, but a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. So the ephod that the high priest would wear, the silver trumpets that the other priests would uh, blow on, the harps and the musical instruments, the shovels, all the different kinds of furniture items that would go inside the temple have been assembled. And the priests are going through training to train them on how to do the temple services. So preparations are being made for the third temple. And it's really amazing to see, because then when you go and you read Ezekiel, those final closing chapters in the book of Ezekiel, and it describes in great detail this third temple. And then you get to see the elements the furniture items that are going to go inside this temple. It just makes it really come alive. The rabbis teach that when you study the temple, when you learn about the temple, it is like you are helping to build it because it begins in your heart. It begins by capturing and receiving the vision for it. And so it's really an exciting thing to see. And so I just wanted to open this up, talk a little bit about Leviticus, because it can be a difficult book. And I thought this introduction and this commentary was very good to make it relevant and applicable to our life today, that we need to have the temple in our heart. We need to have it in our, on our radar scope. Because this is the land that Yeshua, that God has chosen to place his name. And if you were in an airplane looking down over the city of Jerusalem, you would see the letter Sheen basically embossed right in the very land. There's the Kidron Valley and two other valleys, and it looks like like kind of like a W, but actually it's the letter Sheen. And Sheen kind of looks like a W. And the letter Sheen speaks to, it's the Hebrew letter Sheen, it, it points us to El Shaddai, that he has literally stamped his very name in this place. This is the place that he chooses to dwell. Yes, he dwells in our heart by the Holy Spirit. But one day, when Yeshua returns, and he rules and reigns for a thousand years, he will be ruling and reigning not from London or Chicago or New York or Seattle or Portland. He'll be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, from Mount Zion. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisah 
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>